Hello everyone. Let me welcome you all to episode number 17 in our multi-part series involving a thorough consideration of the 18th chapter of the book of the Revelation. Today, as we bring to a close our discourse on the very strong probability that America is to God, Babylon the Great, we do so by drawing attention to the cutting if not damning remarks of him who was and still is perhaps the biggest and best known of all of this country's clergy, namely, the late Reverend Dr. Billy Graham. Who would know better the historical nature, the hell-spun background and thus the true spiritual climate, or, spirit, less climate of America the beautiful, the home and the base of his decades-long ministry, than the foremost of all her preachers? With myself, Erica, as your narrator, we will close this portion of the podcast Bible Prophecy Masterclass following his insightful outlook up with more insights and side notes that buttress the general thesis of this treatise. Our text being still, Judgment Day, Volume 1, Prelude to Armageddon, Part 1, The United States of America in Bible Prophecy. Billy Graham, we've never been a Christian country. Quote, unquote. The vast majority of American white Christians, the intellectuals, mind you, and their white pastorate are so far out of the loop, so duped and deluded, spiritually and theologically that even with Dr. Graham himself making public professions of denial, and other big wigs in ministry affirming his current state of mind they still do not get it. God's mercy embraces all religions and approaches. Billy Graham, an American icon. For decades, one of the most recognized, widely respected and most trusted names under the banner of Christianity. Certainly, this discussion would not be complete without his perspective, and some perspective on him. That being the case, surely one cannot go wrong behind that name, right? Just ask the likes of Dr. John MacArthur, host of the radio broadcast, Grace to You, http colon slash slash www.youtube.com slash watch question mark v equals e5g dash cl9 dash ooze closing parenthesis comma Robert Schuler and others who know him, and, are not bashful about speaking the truth and revealing what they know, with whom his thinking and teaching had been at odds for decades, and, who during an interview of the much-aged Mr. Graham on his show, a few years ago, was stunned by Graham's professed change of heart on key issues that had once divided them. The vast majority of American white Christians, the intellectuals, mind you, and their white pastorate are so far out of the loop, so duped and deluded, spiritually and theologically that even with Dr. Graham himself making public professions of denial, and other big wigs in ministry affirming his current state of mind they still do not get it. Americans have always been duped and deluded most, by choice. Her brand and practice or profession of Christianity and faith in God is a conspicuous sham and a farce in theological shambles led by some of the best educated, biggest names ever to grace the gospel trail, and the ministerial stage or pastoral platform. Jesus Christ not the only, way, truth, or life. The world's best-known, most recognized evangelist has in his waning years both professed and shown his apathy for scripture and denied the Christ he preached around the world for decades as the only, way, truth, and life. I.e., according to him, there are other ways and roads to a saving relationship with God the Father than Jesus Christ. Go to YouTube and search, Billy Graham, Interview with Robert Schuller http colon slash slash www.youtube.com slash watch question mark v equals hrf 60-zhl9a closing parenthesis. In so many words, Jesus Christ, Son of God, 
is now, to Mr. Graham, a liar, and a fraud. And the best educated, and most articulate of America's affluent, arrogant white churches, and other religious institutions, including Afro-American ones, and Mexicans, are too ignorant and stupid to either know, or to care, assuming they do know. I feel that I belong to all the churches. I'm equally at home in an Anglican, or a Roman Catholic church, and, I would have to say that I identify with the culture, and the customs and the teachings of that particular church, Mr. Graham responded. When asked about his views on purgatory, http colon slash slash www.youtube.com slash watch question mark v equals f68 igsreini closing parenthesis. In so many words, all roads, all Christian denominations of thought lead to God and are equally acceptable to him. In the mind of this current elderly Reverend Billy Graham quite the opposite of what he has historically preached, and what the Bible actually teaches. Also worthy of note, even pastors like Tony Sheving of the Fargo Baptist Church, Fargo, North Dakota affirm that he is fully aware of Dr. Graham's duplicity and hypocrisy, in his message titled The False Prophet, part of his series on the Book of the Revelation, Chap. 13. At about the 13 feet, 15 to 35, minute mark. We're a secular country. So, is this still a Christian country, another interviewer queried? To his credit, Billy Graham, openly in his own words and voice, does acknowledge in that conversation. No, we're not a Christian country. We've never been a Christian country. We're a secular country, by our constitution. Where Christians live to and have a voice. But, ah, we're not a Christian country. HTTP colon slash slash www.youtube.com slash watch question mark v equals f68 igsreini closing parenthesis. In so stating, a silver-haired Dr. Graham immediately affirms that all of today's top-tier, well-known preachers, including the likes of the late Adrian Rogers of Loveworth Finding, Southern Baptist preacher Dr. Robert Jeffress, the late D. James Kennedy of Corral Ridge Ministries, etc., etc., who teach that America is and has always been Christian, are in fact liars. But, why? How could the best-known American voice for Christ make so damning an indictment? If that is true, and Mr. Graham is right as indeed he is, by accounts and measures beyond his own testimony then these men and others like them would know that. Thus, when they talk about Christian founding fathers, and such, most are said to have been, deists, of the ones who were not deists. Many if not most were the products and purveyors of a largely faulty, fruitless brand of Christianity, and, a, return to her roots. What they are really saying is that they affirm and embrace all the evils perpetrated by those fathers upon Africans, Indians, Mexicans and others in the name of God, and, as such they long for a return to that time of unbridled hostility and bigotry. There never was, never has been, is not now, nor will there ever be a Christian America. These truths are affirmed by white commentator and writer Jim Wallace among others in his 1987 article titled, America's Original Sin published in his magazine, Sojourners and by John MacArthur, who affirms unequivocally that the fathers were not Christians, per se, as rather they were, deists. So, in effect, Dr. Graham basically went to his grave laughing at all of those souls who put faith in him and his ministry, during his younger years. In the broadcast cited above, he is heard clearly affirming that, the broad gate, that Christ affirms, leads to hellfire and damnation, is the way to please God. That is, according to him, 
all religious roads lead to a right relationship to God, including Islam and Catholicism, in defense of which he eloquently spoke on that broadcast. Small wonder then, God's call for her to be burned with fire, in light of all the theological and spiritual damage she has done, in the name of Almighty God? Hers is at best the broad gate, by means of which multitudes have been and are being guided into the very depths of hell. Sidebar number one. King of the hill. God of this world. It might rightly be stated that all or most of the schools of Christian religion i.e., the universities, seminaries, Bible schools, etc. are today, in one way or the other, under the sway of the devil. Thus, we conclude, he commands and controls the high ground. After all, Jesus says, he is God of this world king of the hill. From this vantage point, he serves Bible study and education denuded of God-centered, theological substance, being in the end, stripped and gutted of sound doctrine. For this reason, saints old and young in the faith need not be surprised when they find themselves the objects of ridicule, laughed at, as his arrogant servants and henchmen attack with all manner of questions spun to leave themselves in an air of superiority, calculated to generate doubt, and, spewing confusing arguments with which they know the Christian is unfamiliar all with a view to hampering his, the Christian's, evident, inherently, but understandably weak walk, and his fledgling beginning. Sidebar number 2. Fools gold saints. Few truly understand, or care, that what God seeks and desires in his saints is a, working, faith. One planted, watered regularly and steeped in the study of the Bible. One ready to expand and multiply at his command. Not a stagnate, static, faith. One saturated and soaked only in what it wants to know supplemented by its own ideas and feelings as to what the will of the Lord is. These saints never mature in their walks with the Lord, so that they never bear fruit, fit for the Master's use, not good, definitely not good, in light of John, 15, 1-8. When he comes to push their buttons, or to pull their stops, propelling them to some activity on his behalf in accord with his word he finds only that there is no worth in them greater than that which is akin to fool's gold. They only look like the real thing, most notably for one hour on Sundays, religious holidays, and, of course, in times of great trouble and unforeseeable duress, never wearing their Christianity beyond their church pews. They have lots of leaves that rustle in the breeze of restless activity, like any good tree, but they have no fruit worthy of notice. Sidebar number three. The trembling of demons. All who argue for the eternality of the believer's salvation, simply because he believes that there is a God and his Christ who died for all, is a liar. In keeping with the Lord's assertion here, James puts it succinctly You believe that there is one God, you do well. The devils think on that name, and when they do, they do so trembling. James chapter 2, verse 19. Indeed, God has plenty of trembling demons throats choked in a stifling clutch of morbid fear and blocked by mouths filled with teeth that rattle in an incessant chatter as they hobble about atop knees that knock world without end, their minds locked in a stubborn, vice-like grip of perpetual, fearful contemplation as the day nears in which they must face their Creator one last time after being released from the throes of hell, Hades, only to be judged and sentenced with hell itself to an eternity in that lake of fire. Believe you me, they not only believe, they know God, and His Christ. The way of the cross is a call for faith in action, according to God's game plan, not our own. 
everything that the saint has, whether it be salvation itself or righteousness that comes as a consequence of that salvation, is found only in Jesus Christ. The saint, therefore, is seen in the eyes of Almighty God the Father, only as that saint properly aligns himself with and behind the Christ. At no point, under no circumstance can any Christian claim to be a follower, in proper alliance with the Son, where he has not first exercised a heart attitude and thirst for the Word of God that is exactly akin to that of the Son, supplemented by a determination to do the will of God, according to knowledge gained from diligent study. John, 15, 1-8. Sidebar number 4. Devil in the pulpit Christians scorned in church. I must say, in addition, that these and similar attitudes witnessed in this as well as other churches during my two-year stay in the greater Denver area, did nothing to sully a notion cultured over the years which suggests that all too many of our black pastors are in the main nothing more than well-educated, in some cases, militants who, lacking the essentials to make a difference in the cause for the advancement of, colored, people, based upon their own secular reason, have sought to hang out in leadership positions in the black churches, in hope that, should that mythical power in the black community, supposedly endemic to the Bula church, turn up. They may be the first to cash in on it. The net effect of this is such that, when African Americans seek refuge in God from the devil in the form of the white bigot, who, for the most part, actually controls the white churches, their flight only lands them squarely in the arms of the devil in the black church. Hence, it might be said that, flight from the devil on the one hand, finds them in service to him on the other considering most will not seek his face in earnest, until times of trouble. From Tacoma, to Ogden, Utah, from Denver to Waco, from Chicago, to Richmond, Virginia, and a number of points in between, it has been demonstrated time and time again that while religion, under the guise of service to the God of the Bible is widely accepted and practiced, black Christians in black churches, and white Christians, in white churches, are in fact, however subtly, scorned. With perhaps rare exception, neither the pastor in the pulpit, nor the parishioner in the pew is in truth, a believer in the Holy One of Israel, or in His Christ. Sidebar number 5. Youth in church. Frustration vented. Moreover, one must tell of the experience had in one of the largest, if not the largest Afro-American Baptist church in Phoenix on yesterday, Sunday, May 21, 06. It seems that having gotten its hands on large sums of money, somehow, this church, not unlike many black churches these days, having built for itself nice, new upscale, state-of-the-art facilities on the one hand was characteristically neglectful of other, perhaps more important matters not the least of those being the spiritual per the word of God. Needless to say, this type of attitude on the part of those at the top has a trickle-down effect, which will often, in time, manifest itself in more ways than one. Such was the case at First Institutional Baptist Church in Phoenix, Arizona. It was youth day, hence, the young people carried the ball for most of the service. In a cutting delivery which in one's ignorance was initially mistaken for a joke, as one sat waiting for the punchline, or something, so that everyone could laugh as they got on with the rest of the service, it occurred to me that young sis, C. Jones, in her message for the senior graduating class of 2006, was apparently, not joking in the least. After tuning in and out of her verbal, tongue-lashing of a report card to the tune of about 75 to 80 percent, it became clear as a bell that these high school seniors having been in church actively, apparently seeking and searching for guidance, and answers, were met with and greeted only by hostility, 
hypocrisy, rejection, and animosity. In a sad indictment against the pastor, deacons, and other leaders of that church, the seniors seized the moment to air their bitter frustration over having been a part of a church that was religious, but not right with God. Even more tragically, perhaps, only one adult bothered to apologize, followed by a half-baked effort on the part of the pastor. The rest could not have cared less. Sidebar number 6. God and Mammon. You cannot serve God and money or material possessions, Jesus assures us. You cannot be a servant to two masters, inasmuch as love for the one, automatically implies or breeds contempt for the other. Following one demands abandonment of the other. One might say that our Lord's inference here is such that, with himself filling the shoes of the master on the one hand, one attempting to render devotion and affection to another is like commitment to the lesser of two simultaneously, while each is a polar opposite of the other. The Christ's yoke of expectations being easy, his governance and control being with a light hand, only leaves open the very real possibility that, the competing master will be at liberty to exercise greater pull, as he exerts a greater force, in his vie for control steering the saint away from the things of God. Sidebar number 7. K. Love. Bible teaching disallowed. God takes great delight in his Christ, and in all of the history surrounding his being. He can find no greater joy than that the world at large, the world of Christians in particular, should see, understand and embrace him as he is presented within the pages of the Holy Bible. This knowledge does not come, nor can it be imparted by osmosis, absorbed through the skin and skull into the mind, heart and soul by standing next to one's radio, listening as K. Love and others speak religiously, while at the same time, in the same breath, circumnavigating all responsibility to teach the whole word. In this day and age, no effort must be spared to preach and teach via any medium available, including Christian radio. We have no time to waste. The time is short. Our Lord will be returning soon. We cannot wait and assume that someone else will do this dirty work. Many of those who listen to this station, and others like it, will not get the chance elsewhere. Moreover, in addition to seeing and taking delight in the Son as the Father presents Him in the Word, others must be taught to do likewise. The body cannot feed itself. All cannot be teachers and preachers. Any and all who claim that God gives and expects that anyone can be a teacher or preacher is a liar. See Romans chapter 12 verses 5 to 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 to 31. Furthermore, one should stress that this task cannot be accomplished through the often hideous, shallow, near-witless, music presented by today's young musicians, many of whom are about as spiritless as the generation of spiritless parents who spawn them. Sidebar number 8. TBN, Daystar and Sunlife Broadcasting. In addition, while one cannot but be thankful for the presences of the Daystars and TBNs, and now, more recently, Jimmy and Francis Swaggart's Sunlife Broadcasting, on the one hand, on the other, one cannot ignore the fact that these and other similar Christian outlets regularly saturate the airways with lies and doctrinal errors grand enough to fill the Grand Canyon. In the midst of whatever they do right, that is pleasing to the Almighty, they maintain close ties with those who are not, if not professional prevaricators definitely not pleasing to him. Sidebar number 9. Mordecai's Background. To further highlight Mordecai's background and in so doing, illustrate the ineptitude of Pastor Tenney and of Mr. Crouch, as Bible expositors and or exegetes consider. 
The movie portrays him mouthing off before Haman, eventually boldly blurting out his nationality. The scriptures show, however, that Mordecai revealed no such thing directly to Haman, as rather it was his fellow servants who ratted on him, after he had told them, in defense of his refusal to pay homage to Haman, which occurred before there was any knowledge of, or any reason to suspect the impending danger to himself and the lives of his family and of his people, by consequence of that sole action. What this means then, is that as a rule, Mordecai in conduct, habits and general manner of living was fully assimilated into Babylonian culture and life. Born as he was into a situation created by sin and rebellion, he lived and led his own family among the Babylonians in a life of denial, as did his family of birth, relative to his background. No one knew, nor did he give anyone ever, just cause to suspect his Jewish heritage. Contrast this, again, to Daniel and his fellows, Ezra, and Nehemiah each of whom lived openly, readily acknowledging as well as being recognized, well-received and highly regarded, all the way to the king's palace in light, and in spite, of their Jewish background. Thus, based upon their lives, consider also, that there seems to have been, in general, no significant stigma associated with being a person of Jewish background, so long as it caused no measurable headache or friction for their captors, which suggests then, that Mordecai and his family's action, in shielding their Jewishness was a matter of personal, lifestyle, choice, more than necessity or compulsion. His admonition to Esther further confirms that not only did no one know, but, none was ever likely to find out, so long as she kept her mouth shut so thorough was their integration into the Babylonian social fabric and way of life. Nothing about them in terms of features, dress, or, culture did ever belie their portrayal of themselves, or, their choice of cultural association i.e., their refusal to live openly as Jews. Kings like Nebuchadnezzar frequently sought the best and brightest from among his captives for service in his court and in other important positions, allowing them to serve under the banner of their national origin albeit, according to Babylonian dictates. And, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The end of another broadcast on the Bible Prophecy Masterclass. Tune in again next time for the 18th episode of the podcast, in which we will cover the impact and the hellish influence that the secret societies exert on the image of America in the eyes of God, so that he only recognizes her as Babylon the Great. Until next time, may God bless and keep you all.